Chapter 16 of the Little Colonel at Boarding School. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Little Colonel at Boarding School by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter 16 Christmas Greens and Watch Night Embers. There is a chapter in Betty's Good Times book which tells all about that last day at the seminary before the Christmas vacation, of the hurried packing and leave-taking, of her trip to town with Lloyd to meet Papa Jack and come out home with him on the five o'clock train, laden with Christmas packages like all the other suburban passengers, of the carriage waiting for them at the depot just as if they had been away at some school a long distance from the valley and then the crowning joy of seeing her godmother on the platform waving her handkerchief as the train stopped in front of the depot they had not expected her back from hot springs until the next day and all the way out on the train had been discussing the reception they intended to give her there had been a twinkle in mr sherman's eyes as he listened for he knew of his surprise in store for them and had had a hand in planning it it is all in betty's good times book even to the way they rolled down the steps and fell over each other in their haste to reach her and the welcome that made it seem more than ever as if they were coming home from a long journey to spend their christmas vacation just as thousands of other schoolgirls were doing all over the country then the drive homeward in the frosty starlit dusk to find locust all a twinkle a light in every window and a fire on every hearth the great front door swinging wide on its hospitable hinges to send a stream of light down the avenue to meet them and the spirit of christmas cheer and expectancy falling warm upon them as they crossed the threshold the memory of it would be something to be glad for always betty thought as she danced into the long drawing-room after lloyd and saw the old colonel start up from his chair before the fire and come forward to meet them the candlelight falling softly on his silver hair and smiling face although betty had laid aside her unfinished romance of gladys and eugene she could no more help writing than a fish can keep from swimming and that is why her good times book held so many interesting pages all the energy and time that would have been put into the silly little novel went instead to the description of real scenes and real people which in after years made the little white books the most precious volumes in all her library as fast as one was filled she began another the one now on her desk had the number four stamped in gold on the white kid cover under her initials there were few pages in this fourth volume more interesting than the ones she found time to write on christmas eve she had gone with lloyd and allison and kitty that afternoon in search for christmas greens with which to decorate the house Malcolm and Keith McIntyre, Rob Moore and Ranald Walton had met them in Tanglewood, their guns over their shoulders, and had joined them in their quest. 
the mistletoe they wanted grew too high to be climbed for or to be dislodged by throwing at but ranald an expert marksman volunteered to shoot down all they could carry he was just home from military school on his vacation and rob moore had been out for two days hunting with him malcolm and keith had been at their grandmother's several days tramping long distances over the frosty fields and coming in well satisfied each evening with the contents of their game bags malcolm and rob were to leave for the same college preparatory school after the holidays and as they were going back to town on the five o'clock train they had but a short time left to spend in the valley so the party after some discussion divided into three groups agreeing to meet at the depot ranald strode away across the woods as fast as his long legs could carry him to the trees where the mistletoe hung kitty and kate kept close in his wake swinging the baskets between them that he was to fill keith and betty hurried on to the place where the bittersweet grew thickest while rob and allison malcolm and lloyd strolled along filling their baskets from the occasional trees of hemlock spruce and cedar they found on their way among the bare oaks and beeches now and then they found a pine with the brown cones clinging to the spicy boughs only betty's part of that quest is in the little white record how they ran along through tanglewood that afternoon she and keith in the late december sunshine breathing in the woodsy odour of the fallen leaves and the crisp frostiness of the air until the blood tingled in their fingertips and their cheeks grew red as rosy apples it was a pretty picture she left on the page of the winter woods of the old style leading into the adjoining churchyard where in almost a thicket of bare dogwood trees and lilac bushes stood the little episcopal church built like the one next the manse of picturesque grey stone the walls were aglow with the brilliant red and orange berries of the bittersweet which hung even from the eaves and cornices and from every place where the graceful vines could trail and twist and clamber lloyd kept no record of that afternoon but she never forgot it she walked along her eyes shining like stars her cheeks glowing her dark blue cap and jacket made her hair seem all the fairer by contrast and there was a glint of gold in it wherever the sun touched it through the trees rob and malcolm were full of their plans for the coming term and talked of little else all the way through the woods but as they reached the stile of which keith and betty had passed some time before rob exclaimed i forgot to tell you lloyd when we were out hunting yesterday we stopped at a cabin ever so far from here to rest and warm and what do you suppose we saw on the pendulum of an old clock swinging away on the mantle as big as life your picture the one of the princess you know with the dove i couldn't believe my eyes at first the old man told us it had been given to his daughter and when he found out who ranald was he sent a message to mrs walton about her she is in a hospital and will soon be well enough to come home mrs walton told us all about it last night how the girl imagined every time the clock ticked that you were saying 
for love will find the way it made quite a pretty story but you can't imagine how queer it was to stumble across your picture in such an out-of-the-way place and fixed up in such odd shape on a pendulum of all things it helped corona ever so much mother said remarked allison that's one good thing our shadow club led to if nothing else she climbed up on the stile and stood looking over exclaiming at the beauty of the old gray walls draped in the masses of brilliant bittersweet then springing down ran across the churchyard to join betty and keith on the other side and make her own selection of vines rob leaned his gun against the fence and took out his watch only half an hour longer he announced then opening the back of his watch case he held it out toward lloyd do you remember that he asked nodding toward a little four-leaf clover which lay flat and green inside your good luck charm worked wonders lloyd it helped me through my latin in such fine shape that i intend to carry it through college with me all the way it's like the picture on the pendulum isn't it only this says for luck will find the way as lloyd began some laughing reply about his being superstitious betty's voice called from the vestry door oh rob come around here a minute please here's the loveliest bunch of berries you ever saw and it's too high for anyone but you to reach with one leap rob was over the stile hurrying to betty's assistance lloyd had filled both pockets of her jacket with hickory nuts on her way through tanglewood and seating herself on the top step of the stile she began cracking them with a round stone which she had picked up near the fence malcolm leaning on his gun stood watching her you never gave me any four-leaf clover lloyd he said in a low tone as rob strode away you never happened to be around when i found any answered lloyd carelessly have a nut instead she nodded toward the pile on the step beside her malcolm flushed a trifle he was nearly sixteen tall and broad-shouldered but the color came as easily to his handsome face now as when a little fellow of ten he had begged her to keep his silver arrow to remember him by no thanks he answered stiffly there was a jealous note in his voice as he added and you wouldn't let me keep the little heart of gold that night after the play of course not papa jack gave me that i think everything of it you wouldn't even lend it to me he continued because we'd come to the end of the play you were not so fail any longer and you didn't have any shield to bind it on so what good would it have done but we haven't come to the end of the play he insisted i've thought of you ever since as my princess winsome and it has been more than a year since that night yesterday when i saw your picture on the pendulum and heard how it had influenced that girl in the cabin i wished that i could make you understand how much more your influence means to me and i made up my mind to ask you for something will you give it to me lloyd it's just the tip of that little curl behind your ear it shines like gold and i want to put it in the back of my watch as a talisman 
like they used to carry in old times you know a token that i am your knight and that i may do as it says in the song come back to you on some glad morrow i want to carry it with me always as i shall always carry your shadow of self wherever i go lloyd bent her head so far over the nuts as she chose one with great deliberation that her hair fell across the cheek nearest him and he could not see how red her face grew how handsome he was she thought how deep and clear his eyes looked as they smiled into hers if she had never known of ida's mistake if she had never heard the hildegard story there might have crept into her girlish fancy young though she was the thought that this was the love written for her in the stars but like a flash came the recollection of old hildgarmar's warning and many use will come to thee each begging give me the royal mantle hildegard i am the prince the stars have destined for thee and then his words of blessing because even in childhood days thou ever kept in view the sterling yardstick as i bade thee because no single strand of all the golden warp that clotho gave thee was squandered on another because thou waitest till thy woman's fingers wrought the best that lay within thy woman's heart all happiness shall now be thine please lloyd he asked again in a low earnest tone i i i can't malcolm she stammered giving the nut she had chosen a sudden blow that completely smashed it why not you gave rob the clover to carry in his watch that was different rob doesn't care for the clover on my account he carries it for the good luck it brings not because i gave it to him but he'll get to caring after a while said malcolm moodily he couldn't help it nobody could who knew you and i don't want him to then after a long pause in which lloyd attended so strictly to her nut cracking that she did not even glance in his direction he asked jealously would you give him the curl if he asked for it something in his tone made lloyd look up with a provoking little smile no she answered not even the snippiest little snip of a hair if he asked for it the way you are doing and wanted it to mean what you do that he was my my chosen knight you know is there anybody you would give it to lloyd his persistence only made her shake her head the more obstinately it did not take much teasing to rouse what mom beck called the lloyd stubbornness no i tell you and if you keep on talking that way i'm going home why won't you let me talk that way this is the last time i'll see you until next summer and i'm dreadfully in earnest lloyd you don't know how much it means to me don't you care for me at all a dozen things came crowding up to her lips in answer she wanted to tell him the story of hildegard's weaving and old hildgarmar's warning she wanted to say that she could not trifle with the happiness that was written for her in the stars by giving away even a strand of clotho's golden thread before she was old enough to choose wisely the one on whom to bestow such a favour but she knew that he would not understand these allusions to a story of which he had never heard 
she did not know how to put into words the vague undefined feeling that she had that he must not come to her with such speeches until he had won his spurs and received his accolade it was her helplessness to answer as she wished that made her spring up impatiently and say in her most imperious little colonel-like way didn't you hear me tell you to stop talking that way malcolm mcintyre of course i care for you i've always liked you and i think you're one of the nicest boys i know but i won't if you keep on that way when i tell you to stop you might at least wait till you come back from college and let me see what sort of a man you've turned out to be i'll be whatever you want me to be lloyd he began but just then the mistletoe gatherers came running down the path toward them and ranald's whistle brought the others from the churchyard with their bittersweet lloyd flung away her nutshells and standing on the top of the stile brushed her dress with her handkerchief malcolm swinging his gun to his shoulder picked up her basket and walked beside her in conscious silence as the merry party strolled on toward the depot several times she glanced up shyly at him saying to herself again that he was certainly one of the nicest boys she knew the most courteous the most attractive with the same beauty of face and polish of manner that had made him such a winning little knight of kentucky but the little pin he had worn as the badge of that knighthood that stood for the wearing the white flower of a blameless life was no longer on the lapel of his coat he had laid it aside more than a year ago saying that he had outgrown that child's play and that it was impossible for a fellow of his age to live up to it as lloyd noticed its absence she was glad that she had answered him as she did but almost with the same breath came the recollection that he had said i'll be whatever you want me to be lloyd and she wondered with a quicker heart-throb if it were really so that she had power to wield such an influence over him and she wondered also if she had given him the curl as he asked and told him that she wanted him to wear the white flower again and live up to its meaning if he would have done it for her sake keith rushed on ahead to see if the man had brought their suitcases down to the waiting-room and the others crossed over to the store for some hot popcorn there were several holly wreaths hanging in the window and although lloyd knew that a number of them had already been sent out to locust from town she could not resist the temptation of buying the largest one there it was so unusually bright and full of berries they had barely reached the waiting-room again when the train came thundering along the track with hasty good-byes the three boys hurried up the steps keith and rob hung on to the railing on the platform of the rear car swinging their caps and calling back various messages about christmas and next week and after the holidays but malcolm after one look into the little colonel's eyes turned and went into the car he wanted to carry away with him undisturbed the picture she made as she stood there on the platform waving her handkerchief she was all in dark blue her fair hair blowing in the wind her cheeks a delicate wild rose pink at her feet was the basket of christmas greens and on her arm hung the glowing wreath of christmas holly 
it was the last night of the old year watch night mom beck called it and as soon as dinner was over she and aunt cindy and alec hurried away to Breer creek church where the colored people were to hold services till midnight watching the old year out and the new year in it had been a busy week for lloyd and betty the happiest of christmas days had been followed by neighborhood parties entertainments and merrymakings of all descriptions the old southern mansion rang with many gay young voices and overflowed with life for there were guests within its hospitable gates from morning until night but now a lull had come in the festivities the last guest had departed on the evening train and ten o'clock found the house strangely still the servants were all out betty locked in her room busy with embroidery silks was finishing a little new year's gift with which to surprise her godmother on the morrow mrs sherman had gone upstairs to sit with the old colonel a while she had not been able to give him much of her time since their return to locust and to-night with the waning year he seemed to want her to himself to talk to him of his long long ago and listen to his tales of old days which grew dearer with each passing holiday season only lloyd and her father were left in the long drawing-room she had begged to be allowed to keep watch night with him it's only two hours more mother she said beseechingly i'll sleep late in the morning to make up for it i've scarcely seen papa jack since we came home and he's going away so soon again besides i never did sit up to watch a new year come in so she had her way and sitting on a low stool at his feet with his hand softly stroking her hair they talked of many things he began in a teasing playful way you haven't told me what you learnt at boarding school little colonel you must have absorbed a vast amount of knowledge when even your nights were passed in such a learned institution the face she turned toward him was a very serious one for the time had come for confession yet after all confession did not seem as hard as she had thought it would be the very touch of his hand on her hair made it easier it was so kind and sympathetic she had always gone to him with all her childish troubles as freely as she had to her mother presently she had poured out the whole story her part in the clandestine correspondence edwardo's coming to locust her struggle in that very room to be loyal to the family honour and her father's trust in her allison's christmas present to her had been an autograph copy of the story of the three weavers it was bound in water-colour paper tied in the rose and gold ribbons of the order and bore on the cover a design of allison's own painting a filmy spider-web held by a row of golden stars lloyd showed it to him as she told of the forming of the order of hildegard to take the place of the old shadow club and then spreading the book open across his knee read it aloud the little tale which was destined to play such an important part in her life and which already had influenced her far more than she was aware when she had finished she sat idly turning the leaves and gazing into the fire you see she said presently 
this is a story for fathers and mothers too and and i want you to give me my yardstick papa jack as she glanced up at him with a roguish smile dimpling her face she was astonished to see tears in his eyes he had been very silent while she read the story my precious little hildegard he exclaimed drawing her to his knee and folding his arms around her she laid her head on his shoulder and he began i don't suppose you can understand how i feel about it lloyd it breaks me all up to think that my little colonel is near enough grown to come to me with such a request if i could have my way i would be selfish enough to want to keep you a little girl always i hate to think that a time can ever come when anyone may ask to take you from me but lloyd darling it takes all the sting out of that thought to know that you are willing to come to me so freely with your questions to know that there is such perfect confidence between us that you do not feel the embarrassment that most girls feel in talking with their fathers on such a subject let me think a moment for i want to answer as wisely as old hildgardmar did if that be possible it was a long time before he spoke again then he said slowly there are only three notches on the yardstick which i am going to give you lloyd the prince who comes asking for you must have first a clean life there must be no wild oats sowed through its past for my little girl to help reap for no man ever gathers such a harvest alone next he must be honourable in every way which that good old word implies the man who is that will not ask anything clandestine nor will he ask to take you from a comfortable home before he is able to provide one for you himself then if he would measure up to the third notch he must be strong strong in character in purpose and endeavour there are many things that i might ask for my only child many things that i would gladly choose for her if the choice were left to me family position wealth but they are nothing when weighed in the balance with the love of an honest man if his life be clean and honourable and strong then choose as you will my blessing shall go with you instantly there flashed into lloyd's thoughts the recollection of a boyish figure standing beside the old stile and she wondered how far he would measure up to that standard clean in life and habit he had always seemed so but a little doubt disturbed her as she thought of the white flower he no longer wore and what he had said about it strong in purpose and in effort it was too soon to tell he was only boy with all his uncertain future before him with all the temptations of his college days still unmet and unconquered as she felt her father's protecting arm around her she nestled closer in that safe sure shelter and sat considering what he had said once she glanced up at the portrait over the mantel and met the gaze of the beautiful eyes of the young girl beside the harp amantis who had made no mistake in her choosing whose girlish romance had bloomed as sweetly as the june roses that she wore presently lloyd's arm stole up around her father's neck 
and she softly repeated the words of hildegard's promise you may trust me father i will not cut the golden warp from out the loom until i a woman grown have woven such a web as thou thyself shall say is worthy of a prince's wearing dear child he answered huskily you have crowned not only this year for me but all the years with that promise god grant you that you may find all happiness written for you in his stars the candles were burning low in their silver scones now the fire on the hearth was only a mass of glowing embers and as the clock ticked on toward midnight they sat in happy silence awaiting the dawn of the untried new year the end end of chapter 16 and end of the book the little colonel at boarding school by annie fellows johnston read by lars rolander thank you so much for listening